You're listening to I Feel For You, a podcast about life, love, the universe and bodily fluids. Yes. And on today's show, we are talking about all of those things. It's true. This isn't clickbait. This is facts. I guess I should introduce myself then. I'm Dion and I do a few different things. So I guess you could call me a creative entrepreneur if that doesn't sound too wanky, a polymath or, well, whatever feels good and hopefully not offensive. To be honest, I'm still trying to figure out how to tell you in a podcast intro what it is that I actually do, babes, because it can get all tied up in labels and language and weird interpretations. I'm just out here doing me trying my best to grow and be great and also trying not to squirm too much and support other people too because I want everybody else to feel that they can do that for themselves too and they don't have to do it alone that there's help and support and love is this too much love I don't know I mean, when folks ask me what I do for a living, I say I work with people who want to feel more connected to themselves and also more free in their lives in every way. And I use various tools to do that. For example, yoga and movement, music, meditation, writing, speaking, talking on the phone or via a computer-mediated platform. I mean, I don't really have the language for what it is that I do. I mean, I do, but it keeps changing. Not changing, but it's like a living organism. It's stretching, then contracting, and, well, basically, you can come to an event in person, for example, like I'm in Norway this coming week for my winter workshops. Yes, can't wait. Or you can work with me one-to-one or in groups sometimes. Shout out to my Autumn Take Care of You crew. Love you, because... I run online gatherings and for a while I thought they were kind of like a version of my in real life women's circles but online but I'm feeling more and more inclined to think of these gatherings as a kind of horseshoe (laughs) you know not closed off in a circle but rather inclusive with room for interpretation an arc of everything it is and the potential of what it could be if that makes sense I don't know Is that a good example of me not knowing? Because I don't know. I mean, I know, but I'll never want to know it all, nor want to stop growing. And that's kind of a lot to do with today's episode, because I'm sharing a story time moment from the archives of my life about one of many times I was faced with a lot of choices, directions, opportunities and failure. And my challenge was all about daring to trust. I guess I'm thinking about Philip Green as his mug keeps cropping up in news feeds. It's um, tempting not to wade in. You see, I used to live and work next door to him. That was 11 years ago. It's wild to think about He would come on board the yacht I worked on on the regular because we were both berthed or parked next to each other in Monaco, or Monte Carlo, to be specific. He was good friends with our owner. Our owner is a kind of terrifying yachty term, which is pretty accurate, to be honest. You have owners that can pay you to do, well, whatever they want you to do. And if you won't do it, someone else will. 
because in Monaco, you can buy anything at all. But I don't want to talk about him. I want to talk about croissants. What? Why, Dion? Because the best croissant I ever had was in Jouin le Pain, up the road from Antibes in the Côte d'Azur. This particular bread succulents was from one of the oldest boulangeries in town. A family-run joint, but I don't know too much about that. All I knew was at 5.15am each day I'd go in, get my breakfast croissant, so fresh, so warm, have a polite chat with the bakers, then meander harbourside to eat it, where I'd have about 30 minutes of sumptuous and rare free time to sit, chew, then drink as much water as I could to make up for the night before. Well, let's just say I wasn't drinking much water. I was living in temporary accommodation then, something that's been a staple of my adult life and childhood. I was renting a bed in a shared room in a hostel with two stranger women sisters from Tunisia who had travelled together in the hope of finding work on a yacht. Like me, most people you met at that time in temporary accommodation were people looking for work and hoping to make the dream happen. And the dream was to find work on a super yacht, to become a yachty. And usually a yacht is classified as super if it's over 50 metres long. This is the, ironic quotation marks, big time yacht. The millionaire parody floating hotel. A luxury vessel that employed people under very secretive circumstances. And a career that someone, somewhere, told us would solve all our financial concerns. It would set us up to afford to buy the home we so desperately wanted to create for ourselves, whilst getting free sanitary products on the ride. See, working on a super yacht means you get your accommodation covered. A cheesy uniform. Toiletries too. You're fed with incredible food options and with more than you could ever want or need. And you get booze thrown in too. Sometimes extras on top of that. Oh, and of course, a healthy salary with bonuses for those whose faces fit. And for those who go to the south of France to seek the dream of yachting, but who don't quite manage to make it, well, they were probably working in hospitality in some capacity too. Hotel chambermaids, cleaners and so on. We were all on our hustle, comrades, arriving to seek our fortune, and we were prepared to graft for it, no matter what it took. Except, the thing is, My new roommates had been in town for a month longer than I. And they were clearly qualified and had a lot of hospitality experience. I had none, unless you count cocktail bars. They had their papers in order, were friendly and clearly more than capable. They were even working in a hotel in town. But they ached for their opportunity to get onto a yacht and it was their sole goal. Like so many, except they'd sacrificed a lot more to be there. They told me their horror stories in hunting for work and warned me as they'd been told by folks who hired staff for the super yachts that it's preferred that you're from the UK, the US in some cases, Australia and South Africa. And all of those were code word for white. They weren't implying black South Africans nor indigenous people of Australia. No, it was pretty clear you would be told explicitly that your face didn't fit. And yet, I showed up and somehow managed to bag work the day after getting off the plane, which felt ridiculous. I mean, I hadn't even tried. And it seemed so unfair and I understood the change in weather towards me. 
the dark mood that met me when I entered our shared space. The sisters were rightfully angry with me at the ease that I'd experienced. I felt ashamed of my light skin privilege. But also, knowing I had nothing to fall back on, decided to move on from the hostel and got housed on the yacht, which then led to a permanent contract. That wasn't before some stupid hoop jumping to tend to the ego of my narcissistic captain at the time. Is that shade? I don't care. He was an idiot. An idiot with power. But it's ridiculous, isn't it? I still think about those sisters, what happened to them, hoping in some ways that they managed to make their dream work, but also a part of me deep down hoped that they didn't have to endure the dark side of yachting life. Anyway, I found myself in Joan Lapin following a lead for a day job. At the time, Antibes was the yachting capital of Europe. So, after taking my seamen's training in Gothenburg, I know, don't laugh. (laughs) After taking my seamen's training in Gothenburg, Sweden, the month before, I'd packed up my life again for the upteenth time and bought a one-way ticket to Nice in the south of France. Although some have an assumption of this part of the world being about Bentleys, Bellinis and basically looking like the music video of Mace's Feel So Good, which is a great track by the way, except with white people and wait, hold on, that video was shot in Vegas, okay but you get the picture. Think Monaco and most folks imagine a very white, very wealthy, very ostentatious place. But I knew the ethnics were out there, in those streets. I'd had good memories six years prior dancing to Phoenix, if I ever feel better, which for me is their greatest song, in a dingy club in a Nice ghetto with friends from the continent. Lebanon, Mali, Algeria, Martinique. Think anywhere colonised by France, of course. And I was so enamoured by the layers of life in the South, I wanted to try and experience it for myself. Try. Because it turns out the ethnics were hidden away from Monte Carlo at least. And it's a pretty tiny area, right? I covered most ground there looking for them. It was a worrisome cliche that all of us ethnics were so rarely found on super yachts. The most I ever saw was light-skinned girls aboard the super yachts, which was really weird. I had an ally in my Maltese crewmate and also a Mexican friend who'd also taken the training with me in Sweden. But melanin was so rare to come by. Unless it was a guest, perhaps. And this was always so absurd to me. Disturbing. And sure, this was a long time ago, perhaps things have changed, but at least then, yachting had a reputation for being super cutthroat. Difficult to get into. Everything was done via who you know. Social media hadn't touched the industry yet. I think Facebook was also really, really new. And you were expected to walk the dock in order to find work on board. Like a very odd catwalk to show and prove that your face fitted. I mean, I don't want to shame anyone who is doing what they have to do in this world, but I have to say, in my own experience, this was certainly one of the most gender archaic and toxic environments I've ever seen and worked in. I mean, it was a hard toss up because I worked in various media industries too, but I think yachting wins. Anyway, so here I was, in this independent state with laws unto itself, literally where the richest people of the world resided, or at least own property and keep their toys there running the world and doing whatever they liked, and it was my job to serve them. I was a yacht stewardess, which meant a kind of hostess come cleaner. It was my duty, along with three other women, to clean the interior, the entire interior, that was a mouthful, every single day, whilst serving guests and taking care of their every need. 
and looking the part, whatever that means. And seeing to other duties like being on watch, which means just that, sitting by security cameras all night long whilst watching satellite movies and eating a lot of snacks. All of this stuff whilst being discreet on every level. Non-disclosure agreements and you get the gist. This job was hard. Physically demanding. I mean, cleaning is something I think I'm pretty good at. To be honest, I'll say that. It's a skill. But this was on a level, Mac DeMarco babes, serious. I'm talking cleaning every surface you can see with cotton buds or how do you say, Q-tips. Every single inch. I'm not exaggerating, babes, I promise. It was weirdly anal and intensely wasteful of time and energy. We had to clean every single surface every single day, whether there were people on board or not. I'm talking about the inside of hinges in cupboards that might be used once a year, if ever. The springs beneath couch cushions. What else was absurd? Things like ironing bed sheets and having a pretentious turndown service, which also included ironing the sheets and pillows. I mean, who does that? Who does that? I'm sorry if I cause offence. My job at the time also encompassed some tasks I don't think I'm over still. Our owner had a penchant for flossing, which is good, right? We all like a healthy gum. But this asshole decided to literally get through an entire, what do we call it, pack of floss every day, use it, then throw it anywhere, like anywhere, the floor, the mirror, around the sink, on the carpet of the bedroom, wherever he felt like it at the time. <laughs> he also had a thing with, I don't even know if I can say this. Let's say part of my job was cleaning up his bodily fluids from unusual places. I mean, this is gross, isn't it? And not just his, but others too. All kinds of things. I mean, I wore gloves if that's any consolation, but my God, I'm sorry, listeners. I bet you didn't expect we'd be going here, did you? How did we get here? From croissants, babes. <laughs> oh, let me not think of pastries now, but you get the picture, right? I mean, actually, I hope you don't. And I will save you further pain and not talk about the stuff beyond the tip of that iceberg, because darlings, you know I got stories. Stories that could make your eyes water. But <laughs> I hope this gives you a gentle idea of the sort of environment I was working in. That's not even mentioning attitudes towards the way you were treated, which was something else, because as I said, this industry had a reputation back then that definitely lived up to its name. So what's it like when your job is working for some of the most powerful people in the world? Weird, that's what. I had so many issues with so much of what I experienced, babes, truly. My main irks? Waste, for one. The crazy-ass waste. I'd cry about it. I'm a dweeb like that, in my feelings. But it was shocking, environmentally, how much waste there was, just from one vessel. This kind of tipped me over the edge, to be honest. I'd planned to join the boat and crew in the autumn, which is when most super yachts do the Atlantic crossing to the Caribbean, and spend the winter season with them there. That was the bigger plan for me, and that was why I was there, actually. Not for a deposit for a house, nor to be close to rich and powerful people, please. I wanted to hitch a ride over and spend time in the Caribbean, Central and South America, go back to my roots, some of them. But I couldn't handle the waste, toxicity and rampant excess of that life. Part of me was crumbling each day. The croissants, however good, weren't worth it. 
In fact, no croissant would have been worth me staying any longer. No regrets, but for me, it wasn't a fit. It wasn't a good place for me to be. Plus, I was amazed. These people who could afford this life, it's a parody, but they had it all, yet were so desperately sad, miserable. I mean, again, there were so many stories and so many sad stories. So my home at the time was this dream world Disney place that so many in capitalism hope to end up in or at least want to spend some time in. I know. So what leads me to working on a multi-million dollar yacht? I've never been interested in wealth. Wasn't interested in cash money or dirty coin. I just happened to get a job there. Actually, I grew up poor, so maybe I was interested. But I'm mostly interested in experiencing life, all layers of it, all facets, always have been. Ever curious and constantly imagining myself in many different worlds. Oh, what a show, by the way. I really need Netflix to bring it back, please, because withdrawals. It's a different world. Ooh, and where you come from. Just here now. But yeah, I've never been starry-eyed or motivated by money. But stories and people? Connection, meaning, realness, that's the stuff. And simply seeing how things work. Industries, institutions. I feel so grateful to feel like I've lived many different lives. Many lives within a life. Seen a lot. Maybe not all, but definitely a lot. And some of it I'd rather not have seen, but hey, it makes for some decent podcast content, I think, and very, very succulent conversations at dinner parties. (sighs) I'm saying that like I go out, but you know what I mean anyway. (laughs) So then what? So part of these lives I've lived have taught me, there comes a point when time's up. Something goes off in me, and I tend to know when it comes on. It's physical, and it grows until I heed the calling. You know, it's like the story of the sea lion woman in Women Who Run With The Wolves. You know, I'm not going to read you the passage, don't worry about it, but you know what I'm talking about. Your pelt might have been taken away from you, but you always know when you're being called home. And in my case, I don't really know where home is, so it's more like a call that tells me to move on. That's why my nickname for so long has been The Littlest Hobo. You know, the TV show. There's a voice that keeps on calling me Down the road, that's where I'll always be Every stop I make, I make a new friend Can't stay for long, just turn around and I'm gone again Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down And the call was very loud and very clear in Monaco. I knew my time was up. The environment was too toxic on so many levels. I knew there was more out there for me. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know when you have to Jojo leave and get out of a situation? No compromise. Compromise? For what? For what reason? What is compromising? Compromising for what? Compromising for what reason? To compromise for what? Okay, thank you, Empress Eartha, for your reminder. And I'd like permission to side note, if I may, because I know that this is a very, very luxury thing in some cases, to be able to simply step out and choose something else in life. To be honest, 
it wasn't so fantasy-like in my case at all. More like a really messy few years of fumbling and processing a lot of stuff. It wasn't like I had something to fall back on either. I had to make stuff work, to always have work and be making my own money. I mean, that's been my life, babes. I'm raised on a tonic of trauma and survival. I'm good at being thrown into a pile of shit and somehow figuring it out, surviving. I'm baffled as to why, but I'm convinced it's because I haven't had a choice but to. You feel me? Anyway, this is not a sob story at all. More of an acknowledgement of what we're served and how we deal with things. And in this situation, leaving wasn't an easy decision for me to make. In order to get there, to Monaco, I'd packed up a life and a good job to do my yachting training. And then I gave that all up to go out to France, frown work in this cutthroat industry and somehow managed to have a contract and a potential career if I wanted it. But despite all of that risk... That inner gut feeling I felt, that calling I had which urged me to get out and walk away, wasn't interested in compromise. I told very few people back home. There were some folks who were so keen for me to come back. Yeah, just come back, it's all going to be fine, don't worry about it, it's all good. And then there were some folks who tried to sway me to stay. They were concerned about money and my security. I get it. I got that. They wanted to reason with me and for me to consider staying at least until the end of the season and then leave. But I knew my time was up. I didn't want to be there any longer. In fact, it was making me sick. I knew the longer I stayed, the more damage would be done. I know that walking away isn't for everyone and some would have stayed in that situation. And I know many who shared my feelings yet stayed and ended up earning a lot of money. And some people can do that. They can suck it up and not show face. They could compartmentalise and justify the bad against the benefits of the gold at the end of the rainbow. The piña colada by the pool of a fancy hotel. (laughs) It's not just that, but you know what I mean. But the truth is, I can't do that. I'm really bad at trying to pretend to be okay with the stuff that messes with my morals or calls me to surrender my integrity. I'm not saying people who stayed didn't have integrity or don't have integrity for the ones that are still out there. Nor am I rejecting any kind of tropical drink by a pool. I'm just saying it's a personal thing and I'm unable to compromise. For what? When something doesn't sit right. It actually reminded me of a situation in Bergen which felt quite similar. So when I was living in Norway, I was struggling so badly and in some really desperate situations. And there were some people who told me to play the game, to play the system. And they were and still are, in fact, doing really well, extremely. They shared my feelings but kept it hidden so that they could pretend for the sake of, well, I guess money, power and success. One version of success. But I can't. I literally can't cope. So I had to leave. And I guess I'm sharing this story with you today because I want you to know that quitting isn't failure. Surrendering this life I could have had. You know, mopping up body fluids. I joke, I'm sorry, forget that. What I mean is I could have built a very successful career and life if I'd have stayed in that role. 
And some people think I'm an idiot for surrendering all the glitz and glamour of being around all these rich and powerful people and, of course, the celebrities, saying that makes me feel a bit ill. No shade, but I mean, I just feel really weird about it all. I mean, unless Prince was on my boat, perhaps Eartha, but wait, you know what? They're still human. And to try and craft your life in order to be in close proximity to famous people feels, well, just sad to me. Sorry, I said it, that's it. Just my humble opinion, though, babes. So, I have no regrets getting my ass off that vessel. I got out as quickly as I could. And the silver lining, despite the despair I felt at having to start again with no idea what the hell it was I was going to do again. Just my humble opinion, babes. Work with your celebrities, but remember that they're human. They're not better than you. You don't deserve to be treated like plops. That's a horrible horrible vision I'm really sorry but you you get the gist value yourself anything that compromises your own self-worth and value it's got to go so I have no regrets getting my ass out of that vessel I got out as quickly as I could and the silver lining despite the despair I felt at having to start again with no idea what the hell it was I was going to do again well I spent some of my last wage packet on front row tickets to see Prince at the O2 right after I got back. Which is another story, because the night I went to see Prince, his manager invited me on stage to dance with him. You know that old chronicle? Okay, I think I'm going to have to do a separate podcast for that one, because there's a lot of emotion there that I'm still processing. I mean, perhaps you're not even interested in that. Are you interested in that? Get in touch and let me know, eh? Show notes, I feel for you, podcast.com. Reach out and touch. With consent, always. Anyway. Back to the lecture at hand. It's not a lecture, obviously. That was just a segue for my G-Funk friends. I want you to know that quitting something isn't failure. So how do you know it's time to get out? To make that change? I'm really resisting singing Michael Jackson there. I hope you appreciate that. How do you know it's time to move on? Be it a job, a relationship, or a project you started that doesn't vibe anymore? Well, first, as I said earlier, I understand that it's not always possible to leave in every circumstance, to know that there's another croissant out there for you. For me, knowing it's time to get out is physical, a gut sensation, you know, like human design. I'm a manifesting generator. What are you? Let me know. And you know, a neogram? I'm a type four, babes. Four with a five wing sometimes, four with a three wing, others. Human design, Enneagrams, Myers-Briggs, strengths tests, astrological mapping, etc. Wondering if you'd like any podcasts about that. In fact, I planned a series called Getting to Know You All About This Stuff. Conversations about understanding ourselves better. How do you feel about that? Does it float your boat? Excuse the pun. Let me know. Drop me a message. Ifeelforyoupodcast.com or find me at dion.space. So what else? When making a decision, if I'm feeling practical, you know, when my Capricorn rising kicks in, I'll make lists too. Pros and cons. Keep it simple. Fact, darling. Well, facts and feelings, of course. But most of all, feelings. And I remember the moment on that yacht when I just knew. I felt it was time to leave. To get up and out of there. So one evening, I snuck out to the top deck of the yacht after dinner. 
Most of my colleagues stayed in the crew mess. The crew mess is basically crew quarters and bantered around. If we had a rare night off, it was very normal to get completely obliterated and then head out to our local bars and clubs in Monte Carlo. You can imagine. And if we had guests, we were essentially on call all of the time, which meant a lot of time in the crew mess. Watching the TV show Scrubs. It was the only thing that most people could tolerate. Fun fact, I've only ever watched Scrubs whilst being on that yacht. Nothing against it, but guess I had my fill. Anyway, we weren't really supposed to go up to the top deck of the yacht. It was off limits for the crew, but it was where you could get the best views. And sometimes, when we didn't have a charter on board, me and a couple of the crew would sneak up there to do yoga on the deck. It was magical. Yeah. So, this one particular evening, around dusk, my favourite time of day, I went up there alone. In many ways, that was already a perfect moment because, you know, living with 12 crew in tight quarters during intense situations is a lot. So on that deck, I looked out and around at the mountains and the lights and the sky and the sea and thought there is nowhere on earth I've ever been like this. It's incredible, magnificent and wild. There's an energy to it like nowhere else. Monte Carlo, if you've never been, has this density to it. The mountains are so incredibly steep and the built-upness of the buildings and the close proximity of everything, being on the sea yet up in the clouds and around a lot of energy, money, egos, cars, power, entitlement, it's a lot. Also, it's the kind of place where everything is there for the taking. You can get hold of anything you could ever want or possibly imagine there. It can happen in Monaco. There's potential in every way. But it wasn't enough. At least, it wasn't what I wanted. Despite appreciating being there in that magical moment, I had this strong, felt sense of it being my final days there. And I felt peaceful because I was tuning into that confirmation that knowing and trusting in that feeling. Do you know what I mean? Trusting in myself to know what I needed to do and following that through. But despite feeling and knowing what I wanted to do, I could hear the noise and distraction that was taking me off course. And that took place via a conversation with myself that went something like this. Why are you even contemplating walking away from this deal? Are you crazy to even consider giving this up? Do you know this is the best you could ever hope for? I mean, who would want to be here right now? You haven't given it enough time. You haven't given it enough of a chance. You have nothing to go to. No plans, no stability, nothing. I was trying to talk myself out of it, dismissing my inner voice that knew I wanted to leave. But why would you leave, Dion? You could buy a place and be set up, mate. You could go to the Caribbean in luxury for free, revisit your homeland and more. Make your dream of travelling South and Central America a reality. You get loads of money, you get to travel and be in all these incredible places most folks dream of being. You are surrounded by luxury and the jet set. Everyone else wants this. Why don't you? What's wrong with you? As I said, money's never felt like a massive motivation. It's never really interested me. I mean, give me enough to live on to eat, to cover basic needs and luxury. Okay, perhaps it was a thing for me. Growing up poor does that to you. All right. Is the council estate in me? Maybe I did. I probably did. But 
it didn't impress me. And I'm not going to quote Shania because she's cancelled. I, kn- I know I said cancel, we're over saying cancel, but you know, it's about to get political up in here. Everything is political. Anyone who denies that is lying to themselves. But anyway, this inner monologue went off. It couldn't understand how I could be so deeply unhappy. In theory, I did have everything I could have ever wanted. And others made sure they told me so too. But everything's going so well. Why would you ever question it and throw it all away? But my inner voice and my guts and all my cells told me, no. No. It wasn't right. See, I found that so many people go through life doing everything that's correct according to others, yet they don't necessarily know if it's what they really want for themselves. Shettle and I call this the Vanli life. Vanli means normal in Norwegian, whatever normal is. It's an illusion, right? And it's an everyday battle to not succumb to the Vanli life because that construct is powerful, right? Rules that tell us we should do what everyone else is doing to stay safe, even though safety is also an illusion, right? The Vanli life creates these weird limited options for your life trajectory. And if you stray away too far from that, then you're in trouble. It profits from keeping you small and scared and obeying the rules. And sometimes we get tricked by this and start to doubt our inner voice and instead believe this strange superficial outer monologue that's been fabricated by a drivel of brainwashed commandments passed on through years of conditioning by society via our families, institutions of school, work and so on. We question ourselves because we don't trust our own voice and trust in our own inherent sense of knowing. Which brings me to my next point. The importance of tuning into your inner voice and making space and time to connect with it. Living and working on board a super yacht, it's rare that you could ever escape and have space to yourself. And you all know I'm an introvert. I really need time and space to recharge. But it didn't exist in that context. I imagined it to be like a big brother house. You know what I mean? Cameras everywhere, people all up in your face (laughs) and lots of stressful situations. When you have a charter on board, it becomes like a 24-hour factory. You're on call for days on end, sometimes weeks, sometimes an entire season. It was hard work. But although you work hard, you also play hard along with a lot of other people, which isn't so restorative either. And there's a lot, there was at least when I worked there, a lot of issues regarding substance abuse. And I get it. People are just trying to be awake. They're trying to keep going in really intense situations. And so because I got so desperate for time to myself, I would look for anywhere to escape. So as you can imagine, although this is a huge yacht, the crew quarters were more compact, let's say. And I shared the smallest cabin at the front of the vessel with my friend, who was amazing. We got on so well and gave each other space. But it's difficult in a tiny environment, no matter how well you get on. I mean, to give you context, imagine you're standing in our shower where you can't even stretch out your hands. It's not the one. And then you take one step and then you're in front of the sink and the toilet's right behind you. There's no other movement possible. That's it. That's your bathroom and your private space. Which means 
no chance of a beloved bathroom disco. The only place that afforded total privacy was the laundry room, which was more like a cupboard where we did the ironing. I would always volunteer, despite the fact that I haven't owned an iron since 1998, because there was also a great sound system in there. And the room was soundproofed, which meant that basically a lot of howling went down in that cupboard, I can tell you. My only solace, which really helped. So there's this ironing cupboard and, of course, the top deck of the boat where I would go to get space. And having that time to myself to simply check in and ask myself how I was doing was invaluable. I guess this is all very obvious and symbolic of life in many ways, right? So many of us don't have outlets for that, or we forget to prioritise them. I know it's hard for some folks to even spend time with themselves to really check in. I get it. I really do. Especially when there's something that you're avoiding that's particularly traumatic that needs dealing with. You have to be ready, babes. But in general, so many of us never get a moment to sit down and ask what we want. To create space we so desperately need and to have a conversation with ourselves. To reflect or consider. To listen. Yeah, sure, all this is to do with being present in the moment, right? And arguably, we might disassociate, which can sometimes feel like we're being present. For example, I'm escaping with a great series on Amazon that I just finished called Homecoming. Yes, Julia Roberts. Yes, I see you. Thank you. I'm present when I watch it because I'm in the action in that moment. But sometimes that can become a distraction from what's urgently calling for attention, like editing this podcast. But what do I know, eh? I'm just a wandering toad. Reptilian. Nah, I'm hot-blooded, definitely. Okay, I'm going to try and be serious now, but hey, you know what? Life is absurd. Absurd. And we have to have humour, right? And see it for what it is. This provocative dance with the universe. A titillation of trauma mixed with some ripe and mulchous divine experiencing with lots of other flavours in between. No one really knows what they're doing, that's for sure. So you might as well hold on to the railings. Actually, let go of the railings and trust your own instincts. Right? Right? (laughs) So being present, really present, and asking yourself that. Am I coasting along? Or am I living a life that I dream of and actively creating that? You know, that stuff. Are we even aware that we get to choose, that we have some power, despite our circumstances? We have to listen to ourselves and not to what other people tell us we should be wanting. Society, family, friends, whatever. There's been a number of situations in my life where I've been close to touching many other people's dreams, so they tell me, or even living them. But always choosing realness and integrity that resonates with my own inner voice has been paramount because that's what I value. That's what's important. Perhaps I sound like a wanker, I don't know, but I'm really passionate about us not inheriting other people's agendas and ideas about what we should do. Society, capitalism, powerful men, ulterior motives and agendas that aren't you. Doing things the correct way, but for what? For what? And for who? Who benefits? Some say that they've got your best intentions at heart, but truly... The only person who can decide what feels right is you. You know it. And if you have to ask for other people's validation or look outside for approval in some way, well, there's a sign in there too. 
Could it be that you aren't letting yourself trust yourself and your own needs, perhaps? I've been there too, babes. I've stayed in places, jobs, countries, relationships when they were long overdue. I have no regrets, but I know I could have taken care of myself and my needs better because what is life? Hadaway, don't hurt me. I mean, you have to live your life for you to do the things that you need to do to feel that you are living. There is no shame in moving away from something that does not serve you. Quitting isn't failure, nor is staying when that's the best option you have at the time. It's irrelevant what those labels are. Just know that you have options. I think that's the one piece of advice I would share after all these years of moving countries, jobs, industries, homes and so on. You have options. And I know it can be hard sometimes to remember that. So get quiet enough to ask yourself right now, what do I need? Is this serving me? And then listen for your response. And be okay with that response changing over time. That you might want something right now that might need refining or changing after a few years or months or hours. Or something might happen that causes a circumstance to alter. I guess what I'm saying is not to see change of direction as failure. Or wrong or a waste. To instead embrace it as part of the journey. Because that's what we're all out here doing. Experiencing life and all of its multitudes. Because as my darling Safia would remind us of, we contain them. We are multifaceted human beings. We're complicated. We want stuff, then we don't want it. We have ideas and opinions and thoughts and we hopefully evolve, right? We need to allow ourselves the space to explore and to develop, to try stuff out, to quit, to expand beyond the boundaries of what we think we know and beyond the boundaries and labels that others might have for us and how they might like us to live our lives and instead give ourselves the gift of truly being human. And part of that reality is trusting and also contradicting ourselves because stuff changes. Things change, the environment, circumstances, and so giving ourselves space and the right to change our mind is essential. Let yourself because we change and grow, hopefully at least. Yet always, always practising staying connected to ourselves and daring to trust ourselves as a practice. You get to go your own way, my love. Believe it. No matter how stuck or overwhelmed or confused you may feel, dare to trust yourself. So... I'd love to hear from you. (laughs) Does any of this resonate with you? Have you ever felt the call inside that tells you enough is enough? That you need to get out, to move on, to make change? Do you need a guiding hand? I'm out here, in these streets, a buddy to chat with and wade through this stuff with. I support humans like you to connect with themselves and move forwards, hopefully with some joy and lots more ease head over to dion.space forward slash creative coaching and get in touch. I'm here for you. And also, if you're interested in wading into a time machine and lurking in some cheesy hits of 2007 and some of the things I was listening to around that time in Monaco, 
plus some other motivational get the hell out of their songs, then I have a playlist for you. It contains cringe, weeps, euphoric, forget it all and dance, and of course, cheddar. Yes, layer it on. I hope you dig it. To be honest, it felt really good to hear some of those songs again, even if to simply remind me of growth through hardship, and also to remind me that some of the songs I don't love so much anymore, but some of them I still do, and that's okay. (laughs) And also a reminder that even in the moments of absolute despair, you can and you will move through it. I love you, you know. And if you ever need to chat or share, I'm here for you. Reach out to me. Links are in the show notes, dion.space or ifeelforyoupodcast.com. Please know you are so deeply appreciated. Every single message I've received about the podcast, every review I've read has just, I can't even, I can't put it into words. It's moved me and I'm just stuck for words. (laughs) as to how I feel I feel a lot of appreciation and love and emotion because yeah the fact that something resonates with you I don't know I just feel it's comforting on such a deeper human level you know that we're all connected and there is resonance and reminders that we're not going through this on our own and I just hope that there's just been something useful for you something comforting maybe disgusting like bodily fluids and I'm not going to talk about them again and I'm really sorry but (laughs) please know you're appreciated and if you feel like reaching out maybe writing me a review uh giving me some stars or something I don't know uh rating me on your podcast app or wherever you listen I'd be deeply appreciative and if you want to pass this on to someone who you think might dig it that would also be incredible because yeah I'm, I'm out here for good people and I love connecting with you and I appreciate you. And also, please let me know what you want to hear in upcoming podcasts. I put a shout out on my Instagram stories tonight. I did a long monologue. What I might do is save that for you and call it, I don't know, what should I call it? I was waffling about something to do with getting your blood levels checked. Here we go, bodily fluids again. But I was talking about my thyroid disorder And there seemed to be a lot of feedback from people asking for me to make that a podcast episode. So if that resonates, do let me know if you've got comments or thoughts or questions about that. Don't hesitate to reach out. I feel for you podcast.com or head to dion.space. There's like a contact form there. So know that you can reach out, connect with me or find me on social, social media. I spend a lot of time on Instagram more and more. I had a little break, but I'm Dion with seven underscores. So yeah uh so this is episode 23 in case i haven't mentioned it so have a look for that i'll put everything in the show notes and also this is new this is a jam do you want to leave me a voicemail do say yes i know if you're like totally introverted and shy like me i get it i understand but you know try it maybe i don't know see there'll be a link to how you can do that leave me a message i don't know tell me what you think tell me your thoughts tell me I don't know what song you just danced to anything at all I don't care like I do care that's why I want you to leave me a voicemail but <laughs> I'm just interested share something with me share the love um so drop me a message link will be in the show notes I feel for you podcast.com episode 23 so until next time my friends see you on the flip side of chance you know what okay this is my final point now because I'm going to round off but actually 
That statement, see you on the flip side of chance, a mate of mine who worked on another yacht had a very well-known actor who said that to her face with a very serious expression, followed by a wink. Can you imagine? I'm cringing for her and him. Goodness. I'm cringing for everyone about that. See you on the flip side of chance. I'm just going to have to use that. Anyway, blimey. Okay, that's it. Over and out. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. Farewell. Farewell.